and welcome back to the uh, what's it called again? Topical City Podcast. Topical City Podcast. Um, you know, it's been a while, uh, but I'm here with uh, the the old guard, uh, got James. Hello, long time no pod, and I've got Richard. So GI. So it's been a while. Uh, does anyone remember how to do this? Nope. <laughs> kind of, but also I'm dying of a cold, so um, I'm sure that'll come across a little bit with my croaky voice. No, okay. I'll do my best. It's been it's been two months, uh, and uh, we'll just leave it at that. Eh? We're back. We're back now. So we're not leaving it at that. The fact that you two are sharing a pair of wired headphones just shows the professionalism of this podcast has not gone away. It's gone. <laughs> it's gone worse if any. <laughs> All right, um, let's get right into it uh, because because James has got a baby to look after. Uh, so, first things first, big news today: uh, Sergio Aguero has, has retired due to a heart problem. Uh, let, let's eulogize isn't the right word, um, but but we'll say it anyway. Let, let's do a little a short little eulogy for Sergio Aguero's career. Uh, James, you, you go ahead. Um, so you rightly said, Cam, that I've got little babies to look after. Um, so he was born three months ago, roughly. Um, little Sergio. Little Sergio, yeah. <laughs> I wish. Um, I didn't cry at the birth of my son, but I cried today <laughs> when I when I when I um, saw Sergio's video. I mean, I did. I teared up at my son's birth, but yeah, Sergio really got. He's me. got nothing on Sergio. Um, <clears throat> not yet. He needs to preach us his first. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, man, what this that guy just did so much for us, didn't he? And I think just the type of person he is, as well, the way he holds himself and how endearing he is, just adds to all of that, and it just makes us love him even more. Um, it's such a shame that he's had to go out this way. But on the flip side, he's had something that a lot of players don't or haven't had. You know, to have that 93-20 moment and to bring that joy to a, a whole fan base that had to wait, what was it, 44 years? Um, that's, you know, I bet a lot of players would swap having to retire in their early 30s to have that adulation and to be seen as a legend of a club, the Premier League, the game in general. I'm know, pretty sure I've made five <laughs> If you if you count in us to me, then no. Um, oh, Richard. Yeah, like I say, it's sad that it's happened. <laughs> it's, it's sad that it's happened, but yeah, what a guy, what a player. And yeah, it, it did it did upset me today. I, I ran downstairs to show my missus the, the little video, like tearing up, watching him tear up. I haven't been able, even been able to watch it. I can't bring myself to do it. No, I was thinking what you said at the end. No, I, I haven't watched any of it. I can't. I can't bring I, myself I, to. I've not. I've not seen this bit. But supposedly he said something like, "I was okay, wasn't I? Or I was good, wasn't I?" As in, like, <laughs> the open-ended question. <laughs> what what, like, what just, does that mean? <laughs> like, where just, the manager's in the sky, and he's like, "Did I? Did I do good, boss?" I think, yeah, the context of it was like people were trying to get him to be a bit more like self-aggrandizing and he was just like, he was playing it down a little bit, but then then at the end he was like, but I was I was good though, wasn't I? So I think it was more of a rhetorical. <laughs> I think I've not seen it. Because I was a bit taken aback by it all because 
I was a bit like, and did did he not actually retire like a month ago when the when, the, when he played his last game for Barcelona? But it's because I've been that busy with work, I hadn't realised that like he'd done this big interview and everything. Really, should have been done in Manchester with City Press and stuff like Agreed. that. But neither here nor there, I suppose. I suppose with his contracts, Barcelona kind of needed that a little bit. But um, yeah, I mean honor of him I'd offer to pour one out but it, I'm in Cameron's house and I'm yeah. the only one drinking so I'm probably not it's going best to do that <laughs> but um, speaking of sticky I was watching all of uh, Sergio Aguero's like goals against the top six today and it's just if you wanted to know the mark of a player obviously there's all the statistics we know it from like the history of Aguero at City and everything but just watch back some of the goals he scored against supposedly like the best teams in England and just the ones against Liverpool alone and United alone mm-hmm. that one where he's like so far out and near like the goal line and he, against Liverpool and he manages to cut yeah. it back yeah. over Rayner and score I think it was Rayner and um it was yeah yeah the one in the 2018 or 2019 game uh, against Liverpool where he just sort of like gets fouled by Van Dijk but then gets up and just hammers the ball in at such a tight angle again. Mm -hmm. The goals he scored uh, against a gurning Phil Jones (laughs) beating David De Gea at his his near post exposing him for the, the weak goalkeeper that he is and yet it's just been he's had such a brilliant career and it's shit that it's come to an end but at least maybe with the dramatic circumstances that it's come to an end at. After we unveil that statue of him at the Etihad, we can unveil the North Stand in his name as well. It's got to happen, hasn't it? Near post king. I can't... Everyone knows, who listens to this, all all four people know that I love it. You were a bit meh. You were a bit meh on Sergio. You never quite (laughs) sold on him. You know, I could take him a little bit. Take him... Home all day. Didn't you say you'd rather have Jekyll up front? Uh, yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, so I am. I I can't comment on. It. I physically cannot bring myself to comment on it. What I would like to comment on is why he's had to retire, and I, I think it's getting a bit because Lindelof went off the other day holding his chest as well. Uh, Ericsson went down at the Euros because yeah. of a heart thing, and it's. It's a lot in six months for three players to have to, you know, come off the pitch, especially because of a hard thing. So do you think there's some too, they're just, even as top level athletes, they're just playing way too much football? This Aguero thing, I didn't know this, but a quick bit of Googling, you can find it. This has been an ongoing heart problem since he was a teenager. It almost ruled him out of being a footballer, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's been something that's been managed ever since he was young. I don't understand the ins and outs of what's changed. Maybe it's just his body getting older. I don't know. Um, But yeah, this isn't, there's people, you know, linking it to vaccines and all that type of stuff. And it's, do a quick bit of Googling. You soon find out that this isn't a new thing for Aguero. It just wasn't something that was widely publicised. To your wider point, Cam. I don't think we can. I don't think we can know that. You know, I'm sure if you if you picked a, a random five year period, you'd also find, you know, around the time Mark did you know, for example, you'd find cross world football. Do you know what I mean? 
I just can't, I don't remember that many high profile ones all happening at once. I only really remember Foley and Luamba as mm. the, the main two. And obviously Foley's hit quite close to, hits quite close to home for City fans. So I just, I just, it just with a World Cup coming up, they, especially after the Euros last year, they, they're not going to get a rest again. And I, it wouldn't surprise me if you see an uptick in this again. And I think it, yeah, the it rest, needs. the rest thing's a fair point. Um, okay, well, we'll have uh, he can now stream on Twitch full time at least, um, so he can play Among Us all he wants. Um, <laughs> we're now going to have a, a ten minute um, silence and cry uh, for Sergio Aguero. So. Uh, we'll just start that now. I'll insert this into the edit. This so is a, we this can carry is on. a silence. No, let's carry on. Okay, we'll carry on. Uh, let's move on to something <laughs> funny, um, something hilarious. Jesus. Um, Chappies League draw was the other day, and it was also the other day. Uh, we had two of them because UEFA uh, couldn't happen to a nicer set of lads. UEFA managed to fuck up the Champions League draw. Uh, did, did you guys watch it live, or, or like, did you? What, what did you think of it? Yeah, I was watching it on BT Sport, and literally, like, when they drew um, Villarreal out as the home team, he said, "Like, I was kind of, I was on my phone, I was half watching it, but I picked up that he said something along the lines of like, and any of the other seven teams can draw Villarreal, and it was like, I said out loud, like, but not Manchester United, like they they were in the group, right?" And then slowly, and then I just thought, like, well, what if he picks out Manchester United now? And then they did. And he was like, um, well, we can't do that because they can't play Manchester United. Let's do that again. <laughs> and then from that point on, I was just like pissing myself laughing at what a joke it was. So I didn't even pay attention to the fact that when it was time that Atleti got drawn, like United wasn't even an option or whatever. And that's the reason that they had to redo it. But I just assumed that everything had gone out. All right, I went about my day. I did a bit of Christmas shopping in town. All of a sudden, I look on my phone and like the works group chat's blowing up and it's just like, cancel all planned trips that we were going to do for United to, um, was it to France, to PSG? Because the draw's <laughs> going to happen again. <laughs> so hold your horses, like cancel any flights that you've booked or whatever. We need to like wait until this happens. It's just an absolute fucking clusterfuck. I know that like it is, it's funny and everything, but when there's businesses and there's fans who like literally book travel off the back of this draw happening that they insist on doing live and making this spectacle out of it, just fucking hit randomize on your computer. Yeah. Or like, what's that game that you can like spin the wheel or whatever, like online and you just click it and it draws like just. Why do they insist on having like no mark fucking Andre Arshaven standing there like a godless swat picking these balls out when he's just gonna have to get called back in like three hours' time to do it again? What an absolute it's, it's gonna become more of a spectacle. They're gonna have him like throwing darts at a board at some point. You, you should just be able to draw anybody. Like why oh, why is hook, hook a duck? Like the, the, oh the team God. from the bottom trying to hook a duck from the, from the, <laughs> um, hey, the funniest the name. Me, the absolute funniest <laughs> thing for me was Madrid drawing PSG in, in the second <laughs> draw because he, he was making such a big stink about them should be able to keep Benfica as their draw Perez uh, and then for him to then draw PSG 
especially with it being Madrid and La Liga and all that, was just UEFA and La Liga got screwed in the same day. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, So I think we've uh, had enough of an intro. It's about 10 minutes long, maybe longer. (laughs) So uh, let's talk about uh, one of the last two games. One of the worst games I have ever been to, one of the best ways I've ever been to it. Um, we played Wolves uh, last weekend, uh, and I was I did the citizens experience uh, where you go before the game, you get a Carvery, which was shit, by the way. Yeah, Carveries aren't great, but it's specifically shit. I went to a Brewers Fair two days later and had a better Carvery than <laughs> paying. <laughs> you could probably have a Hunter's chicken from fucking Weatherspoons, and it'd be better. Yeah, well, they they. Um, <laughs> The only thing that was good there, they did good desserts, but the food itself was shite. But you did get free beer and free wine and all that sort of stuff, so that was good. And we sat in the uh, Richard Dunn room again. We got our, our very own Richard Dunn room. Uh, and you sat on the halfway line. It's the most amazing thing in the world. Uh, and I saw the worst game I have ever seen because, Jesus Christ, that <laughs> Wolves turned up then was is the nastiest, most anti-football team I have ever seen. Um, how did you guys feel about that that team of players playing that game? Well, yeah, I, I also went. I didn't have a, uh, the lavish luxury that you have uh, talked us through. Um, I got to freeze my nuts off instead. Um, <laughs> I was not freeze one. I wasn't in tunnel. I got one cold. But he had Richard Dunn hooking <laughs> him to keep him warm. Exactly, yeah. What's <laughs> shock about how many times he's won player of the year, though, so... <laughs> you pay an extra tenner, you get Richard Dunn shoveling coal into the fire for the full 90 <laughs> minutes as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, man, it was so frustrating, weren't it? it, it I was saying to, to my mate next to me that their game plan was purely to frustrate us and to wind us up, and it was working. And it was working up until the point of our time in the fact that we were getting riled, we were getting the cards, they were getting the free kicks going down like they've been shot. The fact that physios were getting called onto the pitch and like they were calling for a stretcher at one point and the guy just got up and carried on. Guys had head injuries and didn't go off the pitch. It was, bear in mind, a lot's happened for me since then and I'm still remembering all those things because of how fucking livid I was. Um, and the the sweetest justice happened with uh, Raul Jimenez just being an absolute bellend and having a brain fart. And to be fair, he got those two yellows in quick succession. In between that, he moved the ball as well when it was there for the free kick. So he, he could have even been booked for that. And the ref let him, he gave the ref no choice in it. Um, yeah, it was really pleasing to see our frustration vindicated a little bit by him getting fucked over. And it really got the, the crowd, the crowd raced after that. And like, as they were cheering with him going off every time he threw his gloves on the floor and stuff, it, it did sort of calm me down a little bit. I'm not going to lie. It was so like WWF. <laughs> that wasn't yeah. it. Like, <laughs> deliberately riling up the crowd. No, I've, what a <laughs> fucking awful game. It, you know, it reminded me a lot of like how shithouser we Porto were when we had them in the group stages of the Champions yeah. League. Yeah. Is, is Bruno Lars Portuguese? Yeah. Yeah, manager. So it's just like traditional Portuguese shithousery. I don't know if like this has always been a thing or if these managers are taking their like 
personality traits and tactical traits from Jose Mourinho. I'm just, just like say, it's really it? an entire generation of shithousery managers like coming through. But what an absolute joke. And John Moss, for the fat sack of shit that he is, <laughs> he was responsible in a way for Jimenez's obviously sending off because he gave him the cards. But it was, I don't know who sort of instigated it. I think Wolves shithousery made the match so tense and the City players so tense and the atmosphere so tense inside the stadium that John Moss started handing out yellow cards willy-nilly. I think maybe the Diaz one was probably deserving of a yellow card, but he let play go on and then brought the foul back and gave Diaz a yellow card, which it was a little bit odd. And then the, the Rodri one, though, was for absolutely nothing. It was for like a slight niggle on a player's heel as he was like running away, but like sideways across the pitch. It, that was in no way a yellow card, but because Moss had set himself up for that, had to give Jimenez like the yellow card for the tackle that he did and then Jimenez in turn then gave Moss no choice but you wouldn't know that from the context that fucking match of the day were putting on like in their highlights of it they were just so obsessed with the the penalty that City got and sort of the inconsistencies around like the referee and yellow card for Jimenez and stuff like that. Why couldn't they have just let him off and stuff? He, John Moss and Wolves gave each other like no chance with that. It was fully, absolutely deserved, like really. And I'm sure we'll get onto it, but that penalty that should have been in the first half was absolutely ridiculous. He obviously should have been a penalty. He went into, it was the one where... Who crosses the ball in? Is it Sterling on the left-hand side or Jesus? And the Wolves player has his arm down by his side, but he leans into the ball, and that causes the ball to go out for a corner. And for some reason, that's not a penalty. But then the one where the player makes his silhouette bigger, and so he's got his arm up in the air, and then it comes off his back, and that one is a penalty. Just an absolute travesty, but just deserves for Wolves in the end. And City would thoroughly the better team and deserve to be able to come out winners regardless of how we got the goal. Well, th- their whole approach was just shit out it. And then when they did want to play football, belt it to a diamond. That that was yeah, all they yeah. did all game, and that that's why it was so frustrating. Greased up a diamond, uh, like <laughs> honestly. At the game, it felt. I uh, texted you guys. It felt like. 89 minutes of annoyance followed by two Adama Traore goals in the last five minutes. Um, so I'm, I was thoroughly glad that it did end up that way uh, because there was no game this season of I more wanted to win by the by the end of that game than that one because it was bloody horrible. But everything around it was great. So, so. Uh, James, you, you wanted to touch on my team? You wanted to talk about the uh, the team, our, our side of the, the game itself. What, what did you want to say? Um, yeah, I suppose it tied into it all, really. But um, you could argue that this is the nicest city team that we've had in a long time in terms of they just seem like gentlemen. A lot of them, the likes of Rodri, Bernardo, Kev, um, Diaz, Zinchenko. You know, they just seem like nice guys, don't they? But what I really like. And I don't think we used to have this, especially under Pep. We can now be real bastards when we want to be. You know, the guys I mentioned there, 
Bernardo's got like top level David Silva shit house about him when he wants. Kev's concerned nasty. Even Rodri got riled at one point during that game. And I said to my mate, like, if Rodri's getting riled, that really says something. Um, so they're not the biggest bruisers or the Vinnie Jones types or the Nigel de Jong types, but I like that, you know, someone like Jesus can leave a foot in and like he gets back to his, his roots of scrapping over a ball and like just kicking off a bit and being okay with getting a yellow or getting told off for it. And that's something we've needed to learn. And it's been a facet of our game that we've not had. And for years, we've said we're too nice, we're too soft. Pep doesn't like that type of thing. He doesn't like people diving. Okay, fair enough. But this is something that I've seen change in the City team a little bit recently, which I'm all for, because it means we win these games against Wolves and, and the like. The best one for me was um, Adama. They were going for a booting the ball up to Adama like they always do. Uh, and Diaz was challenging him for the header and Adama sort of shouldered Diaz in the chest away from the ball. And then literally 10 seconds later, Adama had the ball in midfield and Diaz went in. <laughs> like, yeah, that was his yellow, wasn't it? And that was his yellow. And it was just a full on, do that again. I yeah. fucking dare you to do that again to me. <laughs> so, <laughs> to Rodri as well. Like he fully, Adama fully uh, shoulder barged Rodri off the pitch. Like, yeah, it was pretty, pretty fierce to be fair. And Rodri immediately just got back up to his feet, like stood straight and just like stared over at Adama, like, try that again, mate. <laughs> uh, so we'll move from that game then uh, into a, a much better game uh, midweek yesterday for us. Um, absolute smashing of Leeds United. Um, Should have been 10. It was nice to have that game where these were two games last season that I believe... We, we lost them both last season. Yeah, we lost Leeds. Uh, and it was in very much the same way where they just broke and scored two goals off breaks both times. Um, so I was worried about this game being exactly like that Wolves game. It wasn't. Um, one of the things I noticed before the game um, was I think we were all, if we'd have predicted a team for that game, we would have all predicted Carl Walker playing right back with Xiao Cancelo being suspended. Uh, was nowhere near the team. Is definitely fit because Pep made a point of saying that Ferran was the only person unfit. So uh, I think Kyle Walker is definitely getting punished for getting sent off in the Champions League game because there's absolutely no way he wouldn't play that game otherwise. Um, do you guys think the same or are we paranoid? No, 100%, absolutely. There's no other real explanation for it. He wasn't even on the bench unless he's picked up some sort of niggling injury, but there's been... No confirmation of that, as far as I'm aware, from Pep afterwards and before the game. He said that everyone except Torres was fit. I think that it's worth saying how good Stones was at right back because I thought, like, this is a massive weakness in the side. So you two both got to go and see that absolute dreadful game against Wolves. But I was there at the ground for the Leeds game. And I went to the squash club for a pint um, before the match started and I was there when the team news came out and I was literally in the queue for a drink and like everyone around was just like completely aghast because all you could hear was like muffles under the breath and like people going, where's Walker? Like what's Walker doing? Like why, what's going on? And I was like, it's, I think Stones is at right back and literally people pissed themselves laughing at me. <laughs> <laughs> well, because the first thought is he must be doing a three back, isn't it? Like that—that's that exactly, yeah. That like it's a back three, and then Jinchenko's sort of the Cancelo floating role. But I remember 
a couple of seasons ago. He's, he's tried Stones out at a couple of these positions, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. Like he's done a DM yeah. that didn't work out too well a few seasons ago, and I'm sure he's done right back before. Yeah, and I just thought, I bet he's, he's put in there, but I did think against up against Harrison with his pace, Stones was going to get done. And I think it was a problem once, one time throughout 90 minutes, or at least where I was sat in the first half. Um, with the ball with it's that it's gone, well, exactly <laughs> like what an absolute uh master class of mediocrity from Leeds do we think it's a bit harsh on what because we were saying during the Champions League game in, in the group chat they most of those players shouldn't have even been playing so Walker should not have even really been on the pitch against Leipzig he could have just played a bunch of youth players and a couple of first teamers and then that would have been fine so, in my mind, because Kyle Walker's been one of our best players for a year, maybe longer. He yeah. has a mistake. But he's been our, one of our best players for ages. And I think to leave him out, two, effectively leave him out of two games over a mistake where he shouldn't have even been on the pitch seems a bit harsh. And if he's not there this weekend, assuming we've got a game this weekend, I actually don't know. If he's not there this yeah. weekend, dude, he's not involved. It's a bit much for me. I disagree a little bit. I'll let James speak. But um, I think that Walker was going to play that game against Leipzig just because we don't really have any like youth players who would come in and play that position there. So I think Walker was always going to play that one regardless. But what did you think, James? Um, I'd not seen the press conference where Pep said everyone but Torres was fit. So I just presumed he had a niggle and didn't think anything more of it until you guys had put it in the in the chat. Um, I agree, Stones played really well, but could the nothing against John Stones, but there couldn't have been an easier game for him to come in and have have a chilled out game playing out of position. Could the he, he fucking scored with his left foot with like his second or third shot on target. There was no challenge whatsoever from, from two rebounds. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Where were um, the players like Melier's a decent keeper, and I felt really bad for him because I don't think he was at fault for any of no. the goals that went in. Like I don't maybe not the Maris one. one. What was the uh, Maris deflection? One? No, Maris has got a deflection off the. Oh, was it yeah, a deflection? Yeah, right. A huge deflection. Absolutely massive right. deflection. So, for context, my um, official BT Sport membership um, froze at that point. <laughs> and I saw the goal on Twitter. Um, but I just saw, Mar- I thought uh, he, the keeper had gone to his left, preempting something, and Maris had put it in to the keeper's right, like P rolled it through. Um, it was so probably fair, fair going point, down the centre of goal, and then the deflection right. took it like right in the corner. It, it's a nice yeah. segue, this, because what was what was Leeds' problem? <laughs> they're, they're not. A bad time. I know no, they've got an nothing. shed load of injuries. But even so, this wasn't about Leeds for me. It wasn't yeah, about Leeds. This was about City. This was like the Watford game. And that this is this is almost like the new city. Now that we just control the shit out of teams. Like more so than peak Barcelona. The fact that we effectively play with about 15 midfielders and three defenders. Nowadays, we don't bother with the left back. We don't bother with the striker. It, we didn't bother with the right back in this game. It's just Pepper's just living out his absolute wet dream of playing every possible fucking midfielder on the planet and controlling the, the game so that 
they're all moving in and out of false nines and inside wing positions and rotating across the back defence-wise um, to a point where how, as a lead player, where, who the fuck do you track? Who, who do you go after? What position do you hold? Because there's always three men running past you. It, I, I felt sorry for Leeds because City were just so on it and it's, when it works... I don't think into the traps, didn't they? Like they play like high intensity pressing, mm-hmm. like that's their style of game. But when who do you press intensely when all when you know like the different players are in different positions and there's yeah. so much versatility on the pitch. And actually, with versatility, maybe that's how Walker gets back into the side is when Edison and Stefan need a rest. Maybe he gets the goal. <laughs> <or something. laughs> just, just to go back to what you said, James, I think the difference for me is Watford are a bad team. Um, or especially they weren't that Leeds aren't a bad team like they beat us and they should have gotten a result against Chelsea like in yeah. the week like they they outperformed Chelsea really in that game and should have got something out of it and to go from playing Chelsea and being very unlucky to lose that game to then go and play their style of football against City and just get absolutely battered. But I think that's it. It's, that's the hell in the head is the only thing I can think. Because I, I can't believe in this day and age that a Marcelo Bielsa Premier League team just won't turn up. Is that if you come for us, we will destroy you. That's all I can think it is. And that's why the Wolves game was only 1-0 because they knew... We will not play football. We will literally. There's about 50 defend. minutes of the ball being actually in play. So yeah. that that's as annoying as it is. Like we we it is amazing to watch City play football. Even I find nowadays sometimes the games are like I can't fucking watch this because only one side's playing football and the rest <laughs> are, have come in. So, yeah, so that's why the league is so entertaining. Yeah, exactly. That they, they came to play, and that for me is an advert to every other game this year. No team will come to play us. <laughs> yeah. They'll just do what they always do. So that's all I could think it was. It also helped that after a run of a few bad months for me, Kevin De Bruyne had turned up again uh, the other day. We'll talk more about it in the second half, <laughs> which, which is going to be fucking well. So we'll skip over it. We'll, we'll come back to it. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention about Leeds was that's helped us a lot in terms of goal difference, uh, especially because Liverpool were running away with it in terms of goal difference. Um, how important is that going to be at the end of the season, do you think? It seems to be quite tight. You know, everyone seems to be pushing that this is going to go right into the wire. I think that's such a hard thing to predict. Um, see what the busy Christmas period does, see if African Cup of Nations has any impact, see if COVID cancellations and things like that. And I think goal difference is way down on the list of things that are going to impact the result this season at this point. I might say differently in May. Well, the reason I think it is um, a lot of people say it's a three-horse race, which is more than it's been for about five years. Um, So it could very well be super tight at the top and goal difference might be huge. Um, So to get seven goals and just catch up is what what we were, nine goals behind Liverpool at the start Mm -hmm. of the play. So to get those seven goals, I think, might be a lot more important than we think right now down the line. Time will tell, won't it? So it's done as a favour in previous seasons, hasn't it? Being like the best, the team with the best goal difference. So, no, it's nice to notch that up, definitely. And who knows, maybe. Uh, so, uh, James wanted to talk about the pet machine as he's put it on the dock. And I'm sure he felt quite smug about himself <laughs> when he wrote that down. 
Uh, what did you want to say before we move on to a break? To be honest, I've kind of covered it already. It's just the the system that we play. Um, the players aren't important, which is a horrible thing to say. But I think you can bring Zinchenko in the last few games, who's barely kicked a ball. John Stones has barely kicked a ball for us. Mares has been out in the cold partially. And then look at the performances these guys are putting in. And if you, you looked at the bench last night and saw who's on it and saw who we were missing from the squad. And you kind of go, it, this is the system that's working. The fact that Gundo can come on at half time for Bernardo and nothing really changes. Fernandinho can come on for Rodri. And yet there's a bit of a difference there. But effectively, the game didn't change. It's everyone knows what they're supposed to do. Everyone knows where to fill in. Everyone knows when to run and not to run. And he's he's got them so well drilled. I think it's just a pleasure to watch. It's a pleasure to watch, but it's also disrespectful to the other team. And we should have stopped at 3-0. <laughs> it's weird that you say Maris is in the cold as well, but he's our top scorer. <laughs> like, like, but you're not saying you're wrong. He, he is in the cold, and he's, and he's certainly not the preferred star in the right wing. Um, because somebody else's that we'll get on to it was, it was come on in leaps and bounds over the last two or three weeks. Um, but the fact that he's still our top scorer, I think less says more about his ability and more says how spread out the goals are and how good yeah. everyone is at scoring at the moment. I mean, two new players got on that, you know, like City's total number of goal scorers this season, Stones and Ake in that game. So, I mean... Centre-backs. Centre-back FC, baby. All right, uh, let's uh, take a break then and then we'll come back and not do a mystery game, but instead do a half-season review. Uh, So we'll see you in a minute. You're listening to the Topical City Podcast. Disagree with anything you've heard? Don't forget to let the Etty lads know at Topical City Pod on Twitter. Okay, and we are back. With the half season, I don't know why I'm saying it like it's traditional. Uh, traditional half season. Uh, traditional. We weren't even doing a podcast this time last season. <laughs> okay. Maybe and we should do really it even doing one this stuff. season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we've been shit. Uh, must try harder. Uh, <laughs> I give us a tip. <laughs> uh, so half season review. I think we'll start off with with some very good, very good content. Um, we got to talk about currently on track to be player in a season, for me at least. Um, Bernardo Silva. Uh, Richard, could you please wax lyrical about him and use my favourite word uh, while doing so, please? What's your favourite word? The word uh, for Bernardo Silva. Brunardo. The industry. Oh. Industry. Oh, industry. Right. James, you wax lyrical. He's lost, the, <laughs> he's, he's lost the opportunity. It's been so long. <laughs> now go ahead, Richard. I mean, what more can we... I'm pretty sure we've been, like... We've been jerking Bernardo Silva off for as long as we possibly can. Like, on the on our reviews of games last season, we were constantly going on about how great he is. People who are just catching up now and are, and are saying that he's, like, arguably, along with Salah, the best player in the Premier League right now. They were missing a trick last season. He was brilliant. He was just in a different position. He was more of a central, like, actual central midfielder, doing a lot more of the sort of pressing and 
and then would occasionally like go forward and be a false nine. But he's been doing it for for such a long time. And now that he's added goals, like world-class goals to his little repertoire that he's got going on at the minute as well, this is what's like making people stand up and take notice. But it's just funny, like The Athletic have literally just put an article out, which is like their top 10, their writer's top 10 um, players in the Premier League. I don't know if this is right now or of all time, but it, I think it must be like right now. And they've got Bernardo Silva as six, still behind Virgil fucking Van Dijk and Angolo Kante, who isn't presently match fit. Behind Trent Alexander-Arnold. <laughs> I mean, Trent Trent has been doing Not the, better than Bernardo. No, the business. But it would literally should be like, I don't think you could argue if it was Mo Salah on top. No. Honestly, at the minute. I think no. that he's probably going to win the Player of the Year awards. He'll probably win the golden boot. But let's see how he does with African Cup of Nations and coming back from that and everything. But he is a solid second, if not joint first place at the minute. And when you list some of these other players who are actually up there, like Mane, Ronaldo back in there, just the City players who are doing well, who've done well all season, Walker, Cancelo, Rodri, Foden. He's been heads and shoulders like Manchester City's best player this year so far. And with how good we are and how good some of the other teams in the Premier League are at the moment, I think that speaks for itself. Do you want to say anything about Bernardo? Yeah, um, I think you've kind of touched on it, Richard. Like last season when we were doing our reviews of him, I, the thing I was ever so slightly critical about was his end product. Um, mm. And if you kind of look through it through the old fantasy football lens of where are his goals and assists, it was effectively he was doing it for the team, wasn't it? He? he was that shuttle player going box to box, chasing everything down, being the legs of the midfield, um, you know, at points playing a false nine and, and running for the team there without having the, the reward of goals. That's what's changed this season. And there is an output there now. And don't get me wrong, I'd love that output to still be a little bit higher. I don't think for the, the layman's that watch match of the day are the pundits that don't quite have that acumen about them, they're going to see Salah just banging these goals and he's going to win player of the year because of that. It's it's the David Silva thing, isn't it, of a lot of the pre-assists, a lot of the work behind the scenes. He's the thing that makes the team tick. He might not get the goal that wins the game, therefore he's not going to get the plaudits, but actually he's so crucial to this team. And all summer, I was fretting most... I know we're talking about like the likes of getting Kane in or Holland or whoever. My biggest thing was I, I'm worried if we lose Bernardo because Rodri hadn't stepped up at that point. Kev had come off the back of an injury at the Oros. And I'm thinking, where's our legs in midfield? Where's our industry? You know, Cam's favourite word. And the fact that he's stayed and he's doing this, he's just, he's, he's arguably my favourite player this season. And there's a few in that list. So, you know, that's, that's high praise. He's replaced Aguero as my favourite current City player, uh, definitely. Um, and it's like like you were saying, well, like you alluded to, you, we always said last season, while we, while we didn't say like he was the best player on the pitch, it was the player that you always noticed wasn't there for more than yeah. anything. Um, and, and now he's just come straight to the forefront. Um, let's move on to two players that seem to have finally had that 18 months of getting used to Pep's system and turn it into absolute world beaters. Um, Cancelo and Rodri, uh, unlucky to be considered the second and third best players of the season <laughs> for Man City after Bernardo, because in any other season, 
Cancelo and, and Rodri would be right up there, especially Rodri, who I've been really critical of in terms of his speed. Um, but this season, he's been absolutely everywhere. It's, it's like they used to say about Maldini. Um, I know he's a bit further forward than Maldini, but um, it's like they used to say, if you you just got to be in the right place. And he, and he is always in the right place. Uh, and he's, he's just... It used to be last season I'd have Fernandinho to play the big games. Mm-hmm. And now, yep. yeah, get Roger all the time for me because he's absolutely amazing. Uh, and Cancelo playing a left back, arguably our position, you'd never know because the guy's just insane on a football. Um, what do you guys think of how they've been doing? Cancelo's like quite similar to Bernardo in a way in that like he was good last season, but this season he's just come on leaps and bounds and he's like improved his own game. Whereas Rodri, I think, is like the most improved player because I really think towards the latter end of last season, we were quite heavily critical of him. And I think it was uh, with good cause, really. I think specifically about that Borussia Dortmund Champions League game. Yeah. It might have even been the Mönchengladbach one, actually. He had a few moments in the Dortmund game, but even before that, the Gladbach one, where we were 2-0 up away from home, I think, and then he does like a pass back towards Edison, just really lazy and it like curls around and falls right at the feet of one of their attacking players. And really they should have scored there and they hit the ball right at Edison and he was able to make a save. And I just think of that was like the moment in Pep's mind and I think in the mind of a lot of fans where we we're just like, this guy isn't good enough to be in this position. And so for some reason this season, his turnaround has just been so amazing. Like he's come on leaps and bounds. Like you said, Cameron, he he's always in the right place at the right time. And he seems to have, something's clicked where he doesn't need to have that pace. I don't think he'll ever have that pace, but it doesn't matter because he's always in the right spot to stick a foot in or to make a tactical foul or to just be that physical sort of body check on somebody to let them know that like, you're not getting past me and you're not even getting at this defence. He's just been brilliant. Yeah, it's like, it's mad to me now that, you know, six months ago we were like, please start Fernandinho in the Champions League final. And now you wouldn't even think of it. <laughs> like, if this was the Rodri, <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't believe that he's just come on so much. Do you know what? I know what you said at the start when we first signed him. He used to turn into Busquets, isn't he? Mm-hmm. And the fact that I know Busquets is waning now, but because Rodri doesn't rely on his pace and it is about his intelligence, that intelligence is something that players tend to get towards the latter end of their career. That reason of the game that they start to lose a bit of pace, therefore they have to get smarter. And he's got it at, what, 25? It's so, probably it, helpful that he's got one of the best yeah. <laughs> managers. Yeah, yeah <laughs> well, of, of course. Of he probably course. gets more out of Pep than any other player. But team. that didn't work for Fabian Delft, did it? Like he's got, to, he's got to be the right type of player, hasn't he? To take that on, he's got to be intelligent and willing to learn. And you know, there's there's no reason why Roger can't be doing this in seven or eight years' time if if he's not reliant on pace. I mean, he's he's fortunate for the system that he's in, in that the defenders are so sharp to come and cover the runners around him. It means he doesn't need that pace. And in another team, would he shine as much? Maybe not. But who gives a fuck because he's perfect for this team and he's a pivot that everything comes from. He, he controls the games. He's the one pinging it out to either wing or a ball over the top against Leeds last night. He was beating men. 
you know, and he had he had the confidence to do that, and he was he was breaking the lines from DM and starting attacks, and you know, there's a couple of times where he was on the end of balls where he kicked the keeper in the head at one point, did he? And I think he he was the one that went through on goal that resulted in Foden scoring as well. He's he's slowly becoming the complete midfielder for me, and I'm so impressed with him, but almost. I'm a little bit indignant that he's in the same conversation as Cancelo. They both should have separate conversations that they've both been so good. I think that he made a run in that Leeds game that was so Yaya Torre-esque that in my head I, I made the connection and then the bloke next to me just went like, it's fucking Torre, man. <laughs> but um, which is a question. Would you take any other CDM in the world right now instead of Rodri? No. Don't get me wrong. I, I think about the likes of Kante and how much I'd love to have somebody like that in our team. He's just been too good this season. Like, if you asked me this last year, I'd have shipped him out for favour of Delph. <laughs> not quite, <laughs> not quite. But at the moment, the way he's playing, he's the one after every game that I turn to whoever I watch him with and go, fuck me, what a performance he's had. And so I, yeah, I he's think. been supplying, man. I, I don't know. There's, there's one or two that I'd maybe swapping for. Maybe like Fred or Hoiberg. <laughs> you know what? There was a point last season where I was genuinely thinking, like, what if we'd assigned Jorginho or Fred? Yeah. Like, would it, would we have had these problems? And right, full bam on door winner Jorginho. <laughs> it's upsetting because when you watch. YouTube and that, or, or you watch people who, who sort of know what they're talking about with football. Rodri does get his plaudits. People do think Rodri's a, a, an immense player. The wider football audience and that, and then knobheads on TikTok and stuff, will we'll never understand how absolutely great he's been. This it's season. like James said, if, for some people, if they don't get your points in the fantasy league, mm-hmm. then they don't exist. Mm-hmm. Let's go on to something that might be slightly less positive. Um, I hope not, because I've enjoyed it, but uh, the £100 million pound man, the, the main signing, the only signing uh, that we made. Um, how how do we think life for Jack Grealish has, has, has started at the club? Scott Carson says hi, by the way. <laughs> how dare you? Um, do you know what? He divides me a bit, Grealish. He looked really good last night. So that kind of changed the frame of my vision just, just for this chat bit. But I understand that it takes a while to get used to a pep team. I think if you look at, it's been said on other podcasts and, and wider city chat that wingers in a pep team take a while to settle in. They normally get eased in. The likes of Mares, Sané, you know, they're not dropped into the first team straight away. It's a slow process. Um, and he came in pretty much off the bat, didn't he, this season? Um I don't know whether it's a tactical thing or it's a confidence thing, but I found for a lot of the time, he just gets the ball and passes it back. And for me, for a player that's worth, uh, we paid a hundred million for a player that has an element of flair about him and was this exciting player that at the Euros, everyone's hankering to get him in the team because he's this game changer. I really felt like he'd been nullified for a good portion of the games. Um, and like I say, it's probably a symptom of the tactics, him getting used to the team, him maybe just, you know, being a bit nervous and not wanting to to give the ball away and risk all of this. But he's slowly getting better. But I, I think I was a bit 
more excited before he came in about what he could do. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, and I kind of felt the same way a little bit, but I actually saw a stat somebody put up on Twitter last night where he's like an outlier for like the most progressive passes yeah, I saw in the Premier well, League. Yeah. And I was just thinking like, really? Like, I'm not too sure. Maybe, maybe it's because his job on that left-hand side is to get to the byline and cut back like Centurion mm-hmm. City style that we saw like quite a lot about like at the beginning of the season. And maybe that's where a lot of that comes from. I don't think he's been great. I'd probably rate him about like a C plus to a B in terms of what he's done so far this season. But the criticism that he's got from some people and from some sections of the media has just been completely out of proportion. Like these yeah. are articles that have been written and lined up just in with with the price tag that he's got. Like a move to Manchester City, the way that all of the Villa fans were up in arms. Like they knew they could get some like clicks and hits and stuff like that about criticizing Grealish at some point. They was waiting with bated breath for him to make the slightest mistake so that they could then say like a hundred million pound flop and all of this bullshit. And he's been, he's not been great. He's not been bad. He's been a bit average. And I think that for he's a squad player though. And City play premiums for pay premiums for squad players because that's what the market demands. And we kind of like the hundred million price tag is a bit of a misnomer. We just need he will come good and he'll be like a massive important cog in City's machine. But we do need to remember that he probably is just a cog. He's and he's probably never going to be maybe like a Bernardo Silva or a Kevin De Bruyne like flair by player that everybody appreciates but he is important to the squad and there are shades of Mares for me in that like say he tries to beat the man and it doesn't come off 60% of the time 70% of the time that was Mares when he turned up um, trying to run at players losing the ball because that's what he did at Leicester so I think again it's that 18 month period I know Pep says he'll do it before then. I don't see that happening. It'll take 18 months because it always does. There are so many um, (laughs) examples of that. Um, A a little thing worth noticing, again, tinfoil on. Um, Jack Grealish was the most fouled player in the league last year. Um, Comes to City where he arguably is as, maybe he's not on the ball more, but the team he plays for definitely has the ball more. And he is nowhere near the top of that list now. (laughs) Um, he so, gets fouled a lot still for us, yeah. doesn't he? He's not even in the top six uh, in terms of fouled players, and he was far and away the most fouled player last season. Um, so, you know, a little, little bit of a, a tinfoil hat moment with City and the referees there. Uh, but, you know, it, it'll come good, and people do need to give him the, the space and the time to become good. What's worth maybe asking is is he being played in the wrong position? I was literally just going to say, like, what we need to remember as well is that for a player who Pep was big enough for being a number eight and a central midfielder all at the start of the season, he's played everywhere along the front line, but there, including false nine. So he's picking, like, new stuff up. He's not just learning new things from Pep. He's learning new positions. We probably need to take that into account as well when judging, like, how well it's done so far. That's fair. Okay, let's uh, let's go slightly less positive. Uh, maybe maybe you guys will turn it around. Uh, but uh, I wrote this before the the Leeds game, <laughs> so it'll sound a little bit disingenuous now. But uh, picture this before the Leeds game. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne 
having a bit of a bad season, a bit injury hit, um, just seems a bit off the mark when he has played like his radar's not quite there. Um, for me, personally, um, he doesn't get into the midfield at the minute uh, over Bernie, Gundo and Rodri because uh, they've, mm-hmm. they've all just been so good. Um, what, what do you guys think about Kev? Don't get me wrong, he's the, he's the best player in the world. <laughs> but he's just yeah, having a, he's not he's not having a great yeah. season so far. Hopefully the Leeds game is a turning point. But... Well, maybe James should go first because James completely turned his back on him and trying to get rid of him out of his fantasy draft team. <laughs> <laughs> Desperately <laughs> can anybody, him off. Yeah, yeah. He almost took Damari Gray off. I think he wanted Damari Gray off yeah. the Bruyne. <laughs> Slanderous. <laughs> um, I'm not going to lie, I float with the idea of trading out Kevin De Bruyne. Um, I was sick of receiving one point a game for him. Um, and I had to put my team first. Um, however, I'm glad I didn't. This guy's back, isn't it? Um, yeah, do, do you know, again, one of my thoughts at the game of the week was. Kev is clearly, if not the best player in the world, top two or three. For me, the top two or three player in the world comes onto a pitch and takes the game by the scruff of the neck. It's the same, I know we'll get on to Sterling, it's the same point where people are calling Sterling one of the best players in the world. For me, there's too many flaws in this game, so that's a separate thing. But I don't think you can be classed as... One of the top players in the world, if you come onto a pitch continuously for a period of time and don't grab it by the scruff of the neck and don't have, don't put your personality on the game. And I felt like Kev was getting that way. It seemed like he started to turn the corner now. And this isn't his fault or based on his ability, but it just seemed that they would have injuries or form or... Maybe he felt he couldn't get a run in the team because everyone else was playing so well. I'm starting to look at Kevin, and obviously the captain's in strict rooms. Oh, he's no longer in the in the conversation for the captaincy, which is voted for by the players. He just comes on and he seems almost like a bit like a shy teenager again, and he's he's not playing with balls. And then he comes on and lead against Leeds and does that, and it's like fair play back in your box, James. But that was just the feeling I'd had for the last few games with Kev. Have I completely out of order? No, I think you're 100% right, mate. And I think he's been overplayed by club and country, definitely. He picks up that facial injury in the Champions League final. And that probably has a huge psychological effect on a player as well. Like, he's not there to get... Like, he was by far and away, like, our best player in the moment at that time. Not necessarily in that game, but if you were relying on big name players, like you said, James, to like turn games around, he would have been one of those in that Chelsea game and he has to be subbed off. And I think... Well, it's done, weren't it? The minute when he left, we knew yeah, yeah. it was done when he went off the pitch. And I think that he, he's been waiting for this moment in that Leeds game, that spark to, you know, like the sort of welcome back parade for Kevin De Bruyne is like well underway now. And I think that off the back of that Leeds game, what we're probably going to see from Pep is just, do you remember when he just, De Bruyne just wouldn't get dropped whatsoever. I think we're probably going to see that again, where he's just consistently in the team. He needs that run of games. He needs that form, like building up his confidence and he'll be unstoppable again. What I'd probably say for that in the long run is, is that a good idea based on the struggles that he's had? 
you know, like being overplayed and stuff like that, are we essentially going to put him back in that position again where he has these poor run of form um, periods because because of all of that? But the thing is, we, we always see it. Um, it's happened to Laporte and Stones. If you're not playing well, you don't get in the team. Somebody takes your place. And for me, the only person that I can see him currently getting in the head of in that sort of front five is Grealish, which means you push Foden out to the left, you play Kev down the middle, Sterling on the right, Gundo and Bernardo behind. I don't... If, if you're going off that pep rule of if you're playing well, you stay playing, Bernie and Gundo don't deserve to get dropped. Foden definitely doesn't deserve to get dropped. And Sterling's finally coming into what looks like to be a patch of form. So the only person he can feasibly replace is Grealish. So I'm with you in that he shouldn't play every game. Unless when he's coming on in the games that he does come on, he's, he's bossing it. So, yeah, it's a tough one. Uh, from what you said, James, about um, you can't consider him in the top three players in the world, the, the phrase that comes to my mind is form is temporary class and permanent. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, he's not been great this season, but he's been the best player, <laughs> one of the best players in the world. No, fuck it, I'll say it. He's been the best player in the world for three seasons. So if I'm willing to give Raheem the leeway that I've given him over the last two years, I've got to give it Kev, right? <laughs> Have you been given Raheem that leeway? I've always said that we should never sell and that, that we should give Raheem come good. So yeah. I've, got to, I've got to give it that. Um, but yeah, he'll, he'll come, he looks like he's hitting his purple patch, hopefully. We'll see how he goes in the next few games. Um, speaking of Raheem, uh, his last three weeks, he's he's been great. He's been absolutely brilliant. Um, is it back to form or is it he's just hitting a purple patch and he'll soon be like he was at the start of the season? What what do we think about Raheem? Leeds couldn't, he didn't get on the pitch against Leeds, did he? So, you know, like he's, Raheem said himself that he's been struggling a bit like, um, health-wise and stuff like that, and he wants to play. Like, if he plays, he feels good. And, you know, I probably probably could have done with bringing him on for a little bit in, in that Leeds game, right? Keep building his confidence yeah, up while, while we're in the ascendancy. But he he is, hopefully, he's back. I, I would probably disagree long-term perspective-wise with the way Brahim's running his contract down. If, if an offer does come in for him, if we get the money that we paid for him at this point, he's obviously contributed so much to this team. He's been a massive influence in all of our title wins, all of the trophies that we've picked up. Maybe for both parties, I'm probably still in the mindset of if he wanted to go now, it's probably best for us to shake hands, thank him and take whatever we can get for him still. What do you think, Jim? Yeah, I, I'm of the same mindset. To know from past podcasts that I'm really conflicted with Sterling because I like him as a guy and I see what he can bring and I think that the biggest thing that he can bring is movement I think he's arguably one of the best in the team off if the not ball, the best sure. yeah, that, off that, the ball. Would, that's what I was going to address is that he's, it's less the goals that have been the upswing for me it's the, he's been, he looks dangerous again that's the thing is that he's been getting into those positions and, and running properly but I, I, I again I was trying to match about this and I equate this to someone that's really good at running but not very good at dribbling that he's all well and good getting into positions but if you can't finish your dinner it's pointless and he's 
I can't remember that last time I saw such a frustrating player. And was it was it the Wolves game where he was clean through? Or we were like three on two at one point. And I just sat in my chair and I thought, I'm not even getting excited about this because I know he's gonna he's not gonna put this in the net. And he didn't. And it, for me, he feels like Pep's blind spot for a manager that's so ruthless and so to the point in every minute detail that there can be a player that's so poor in front of goal, besides that one really good season that he had, and he's still getting time in in, in the games. And like you said, Cal, that about who you put Kevin for, because and you mentioned Sterling on the right. For me, look at the two other options on the right. Jesus had a blistering start to the season. For me, Jesus is above Sterling on the right wing, and I can't understand why Jesus isn't starting on the right at the minute. Because and that he's probably going to take a back seat to Sterling starting on the right now. Which, exactly, yeah. exactly. When he has the output, he has the work rate, he has the attitude. He's, for me, he's got a lot that Sterling doesn't have. And then even if you look at Maris, and Maris doesn't have a lot of those things, but he has the goals. So then you want to still rank Sterling above that for the right wing when he moves really well. All right, well, you got me. I'm in love with him. What more do you want me to say? <laughs> I don't know. I want to marry him, I, I, okay? Mate, I, 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 want, I want to want to marry him. <laughs> I just can't do it. I just can't. I, I see I see someone like Jesus, and I just see how he fits the team so much better, and he works so much hard. That's Sterling works hard, but Jesus works so hard. And he's finally found his position on the right. I just, I don't know. I, 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 I do what Richard said, and thanks, Raheem, for everything that you've done. We appreciate your hard work, goals, especially that one season. You're a good guy, but I think it's time for a change. And there's a 25 goal Raheem Sterling season incoming for the second half of the season, to be honest. <laughs> uh, so we'll see how it goes. Uh, we'll have some quick, very quick thoughts about um, how the youth players have performed um, in the games that they've been given. Um, most notably, obviously, Cole Palmer's been getting a, a couple of games. Uh, how's he been performing, do we think? I like Palmer a lot and I hope that he continues to feature for the first team. Now that we've got a few more players back and fit, I'm not sure how often that's going to be necessarily, but I'm really encouraged by the fact that he hasn't gone out alone, that he has been factored into some first team performances. It would have been great to see him against Leipzig in that dead rubber. I think the fact that he wasn't in that shows you that Pep's mindset is still that I'm going to pick the best players that are available unless like there's such a big rotation risk that we have to bring in a youth player. Um, fingers crossed for him that it, his trajectory still goes up towards the end of the season as, as players come back and specifically Torres in that up front role. Big shades of Phil though, isn't it? Getting, this is like Phil's first season where he gets the very occasional game and you just sat there going, yeah. play, playing more, please. So mm-hmm. it worked with Foden. So in Pep, we trust. <laughs> Hopefully, he'll do you know, do he, he feels like such a Pep player, doesn't he? He feels like if if you could just watch the ball move and not watch the player, you wouldn't see that much difference between him on the ball, a, a Bernardo, a Gundo. He, he's clearly just learned the system and been brought up in the system. You know, it's great to see a youth player or another youth player come through and prove that Foden isn't the only exception. Um, very, very tiny sample size, 
but I loved McAtee when he came on the other day. What game was it? It was before Wolves. Where he skipped past uh, um, like three or four players. I want to say yeah, was it was it Everton. I think it was Everton, maybe. Oh no, to be fair, guys, there's been two months of games since yeah, last did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he he just he just came on and he was like a live wire. He he, he ran through the box. He's, he's bouncing off players. It was like, he, in a way, he reminded me a bit more of Foden, in that he was just fearless and he just wanted to attack. Whereas Palmer has got the pep control in his head. You know, he understands the bigger picture of. Rotate the play, keep possession, control the game. Um, and I think that's better for the team. But someone like Foden or a McAtee is more exciting for the fans. I, I've been pretty excited about his contract. Palmer's, what, has he scored in half the games he's played? Pretty much. Yeah. He's scored some I'm good goals. I'm excited for him. He, he has shades of Foden for me, but more leans more towards the control aspect. Like Foden's explosive, moves forward. But he's got that classy midfield vibe about him. Do you know what I mean? Like where he gets the ball and he, like you say, rotates play and stuff. And, and, but he's got a goal in him. So I, I hope to see him more. I'm not expecting to see him more. Well, we do have that FA but, Cup tie coming up, thinking about it. So that is an opportunity for some of these lads, if they're able to get in the first team, to take the opportunity. And I mean, really speaking of that as well, a lot of them have been getting on the bench in big games too. Um, is the left back Wilson and Brand? Is it um, Egan Riley? Yeah. Um, both of those impressed me in the game that they play. The, the youth all looks good. I thought you were going to so, be like their bench warming has been top it's been amazing. <laughs> I've never seen cheeks warm a bench. So <laughs> oh, okay. Well, the future's bright. Uh, so hopefully we see a bit more of Palmer this year. Hopefully we see. I am I in agreement. Hopefully McAtee gets a couple more games. Um, it's fine by me. Ship everybody out and replace them with City Youth players. That's fine by me. Uh, okay, before we go then, how are we feeling about this so-called three-horse title race? Do we think we're going to come out on top? Uh, are we a bit worried? What, what, what do we think? I think that if there's a team that looks like dropping off in this three-horse race at the moment, it's Chelsea. I think that they, at the back, they've been a lot more susceptible. It's really weird because... Alonso had a brilliant start to the season and then got replaced by Chilwell. But now Chilwell's out injured and Alonso's come back and everything just seems to be in complete disarray. You might you say know, it's a car crash. They were bringing up recently that... Oh. Uh, <laughs> I'll let it know. <laughs> no, he can say me if he wants to. He was in a car crash, what I was supposed to say. <laughs> They were bringing up recently on uh, the, the Totally Football show how many players are out of contracts with them at the end of the season. And it's fucking shitloads and decent players as well. So I don't know what's going to happen with them, but I think that they might drop off. I think that everyone's hoping Liverpool does with the African Cup of Nations. But if you watch them play game to game, week to week, they're, they're as good as they were the season before last like when they won the title, when they put push City right to the brink, when they won the Champions League as well. So I, th- I think they're the ones who we need to be most wary of. Speaking of Chelsea, though, like because <laughs> we know it as part of my fantasy football, I took every supposedly good striker in the Premier League so nobody else could have them. And I'm continuing to hold on to them and will never release my grasp. Um, they've all done shit. <laughs> who <are> they, <laughs> Lukaku yeah. just can't seem to score to save his life. Ronaldo's getting the odd penalty uh, and Kane <laughs> has got one goal, I believe, this season. 
so you're welcome for <laughs> dropping those three clubs out of the title race because it's all, it's all me. <laughs> I've got Salado and he's still doing well, so I don't know where, the, where that's going. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm quietly confident. Uh, at the moment, it's in our hands. It is, we've just got to win whenever they win. I feel a slip coming around the corner and I've just got to hope that Liverpool slip it. It's like I say, Chelsea won't be there. I, I really don't think they'll be there. No, I agree. I think I think there's points to be dropped for all the teams in the coming months. It's not a case of someone's going to go on a 15-game unbeaten run again. Um, I know we're on a decent, is it six eight, or seven? Or eight after eight. eight I think. Um, yeah, I think, like I say, we're coming to that sticky period. This game's been called off with COVID. That's going to affect the momentum. There's going to be players that are having to isolate. There's the African Cup of Nations. Although, I think everyone's bigged that up so much and hoped so much that that's going to derail Liverpool. That man, Divock Origi's lacing his boots up right now and he's going to <laughs> score a couple of 96 and then it winners just to scrape them through. I'm fully expecting them to win all their games during the African Cup of Nations. I think they know it's coming and Klopp will be prepared for it. <laughs> I kind of like the idea that we're just floating by quietly efficient. And this is the first time we've come to the top of the league. Um, you know, everyone's been licking the arse of Chelsea and Liverpool once again, and we've just kind of been doing our business and grinding out results. Um, Chelsea and Tuchel as well seem so um, explosive, and I don't mean in terms of the way they play, but the fact that Tuchel can go to PSG, do so well and get sacked, or do shit and then get sacked, Dortmund you know, be, be the next big thing and then all of a sudden he's moved on. He, he seems like he has a short span of success. Whereas last season it was, is this finally Pep's script tonight? Tuchel's going to come in and set out a new foundation at Chelsea and it doesn't feel like Tuchel will be there in two years. No, you know their, I mean? their managerial go around is just, it, it's going to catch up with them again at some point, isn't it? But even, even this season, if they suddenly drop a couple more games and they're floating around, what, sixth, fifth or sixth, their board's going to lose their fucking mind again. It, it seems so like on a knife edge. <laughs> <laughs> Avram Grant's coming back for half a season. Well, but he um, won't be in a job for much longer. <laughs> <no>. so. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I could obviously be wrong, I'm not expert, but it just feels like there's, there's rumblings at Chelsea a little bit. Liverpool, they've got the pedigree, they've got the class, they've got, as we've said, arguably the best best player in the league at the minute, who is on the farm of his life. Um, yeah, he's he's so hard to call. I think everyone keeps I keep hearing on that podcast and stuff that's going to go down to the last few games of the season. I don't know if I see that. I think it'll be sooner than that that someone becomes an outlier. But you know, let's see what happens. Well, are we all in agreement, except you, James, obviously, that if we don't win, we want West Ham to win, right? Oh, yeah. yeah I want West Ham yeah, to win. No, you, you want Liverpool to win. No, your favourite That was just to wind you up a few weeks ago. <laughs> and I, I like know, that I think it's still, back it's still sitting there. I know. I think, I think you're on record, pal. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, you love Liverpool. You love uh, Robertson. They're just such a likeable bunch just of lads, like aren't they? So, like, but we want... Sort of the earth, some might say. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, uh, that's everything for me. Uh, you guys got anything else you want to say? 
No, no. Well, how would you rate City's season so far? You can't say no, no, I'd say. I just did. That's true. <laughs> James, what, what, how are you grading City so far? A very quiet eight. Like they're, not, they're not hitting the explosive heights besides last night of scaring teams to death and running away the league, but they're really efficient. Well, on a scale of one to ten, yeah, B plus. <laughs> uh, like a like an A minus. I think we, we're top of the league. But what, what you want? We could have had a couple more games. But I think back to the Palace game and the Southampton game. I, I know that it maybe it, it's been a bit nitpicky, but you know those are teams where the the win was there when we completely blew away Liverpool and completely blew away Chelsea. But we've still got this odd bad result in us like the one against Leipzig as well where the team just doesn't really show up um, I think if you improve on that you could probably give City a 10 so I'd actually probably give us a 9 like I um, the wheel of like the negative <laughs> that's why more, I more important there and I'm not sure if this is the case or not do we have an updated Etihad Etty Lads table no <laughs> What we know is that points have been won. I predicted a team as well correctly, like all 11 players. So that's me and you, James, again, who have done that so far this season. And it's kind of you yet to do it on any... I was one off the other week. (laughs) We will have an up-to-date Etihad's table out on the Twitter, but... We're not going to do like predicted teams outside of a podcast. So when we can reconvene in about eight or nine weeks to do this again, we'll we'll give the updated uh, <laughs> a team prediction for the next game. Yeah, for context for anyone that's wondering why we've not done it in a while, because I've got the pressure on, haven't we, for a few weeks? This is the support I get. I this is now an emotional. Ben should be able to talk about <laughs> mental health. <laughs> um, and just just to rag on Cam a bit more, this was supposed to be a Christmas podcast, and yeah, still waiting for anything related to Christmas. Merry Christmas, Christmas is depressing. <laughs> I'm gonna, go get, yeah, gonna yeah. go get under my brand new weighted blanket, and just <laughs> try and survive the rest of the night. All right. <laughs> on that note. It's been a pleasure, guys. Good to see you both. Let's do it again at the end of the season. Eh? End of season okay. review incoming. Catch bye. 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 We may be fans of the best team in the land and all the world, but sometimes life isn't always great for everyone. You can make life a little bit better for someone else by donating to your local food bank. Visit MCFC Food Bank on Twitter for more information and for their GoFundMe link.